to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. In 2024, go all in on yourself. And Dale Hummel. Trust in the process, even when it seems like it's not processing. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. Artificial intelligence. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (sighs) I am telling you, I I have avoided diving deep into this one because I knew it would keep me up late and it would occupy more of my... And this is what you decide to do during the holiday season. I did this. The problem is I will listen to what I consider things of interest when I'm driving on a podcast. And I don't listen to podcasts much when I'm at home, obviously. I don't listen to them, period. Yeah. But I I, I really, truly enjoy digging through different things while I'm driving. And Mm -hmm. I often go to the airport uh, O'Hare very, very early in the morning to to ship out some Savannah cats. And and that that is what kind of keeps me awake in the morning is, is listening to podcasts. And we're getting ready to head out to Arizona National. So I'll have 20... Four to 28 hours of podcasting in route to Arizona. I dug into the artificial intelligence, Ryan. And I'm, I'm, I think we could have it beyond the circus, beyond the, I don't care what it is, but I would love to dig deeper into this. Beyond the circus is not about artificial intelligence. It's oh, about politics, you weirdo. I believe this will impact politics. This will impact. Why don't you just segment. go to Chase's? You and Chase can do this yes, on no, his. That, no, and we would love to have you involved. But I, this I is don't, going to, it's going to impact I am everything. artificial intelligence. Okay. It's going to I impact am. everything you everything we touch in life. This, this I am artificial intelligence. That is what I am. I am an okay. alien. Next. Most most people have heard of Chat GPT. Chat generative pre-trained transformer. We have Jet Chat GPT three, and then four is is coming out soon, and there's a Chat GPT five that's already begun. I want to just summarize things and I won't spend much time on this. Chat GPT 3 took cost $10 million to develop, basically searching everything they can find on the internet, condensing it down, programming, whatever's done there. Chat GPT 4, 100 million spent on. The prediction is Chat GPT 5 will cost $10 billion. And the only reason I, I bring these numbers up 10 million, 100 million, up to 10 billion. The amount of information and its capabilities increases by just about the amount that the money costs to develop that program. So we're going from three to four, which is a tenfold increase, and from four to five is exponential. And when we get to the point that ChatGPT5 is released, it is it is impossible for us to comprehend what it can actually do. And there's plenty of good and bad that, that's going to come from this. We've We've got the cure for cancer, for any global pollution or logistics of, of transportation around the world of, of goods. There, there's so much good that can come from it, but guess what? That can be used to destroy the planet as well and destroy the, the population from something as simple as biowarfare. We, we ask the question correctly or somebody has access through hacked or jailbreak into one of these, these chat or artificial intelligence they can lay out for you how exactly to create this bioweapon or this virus that's going to take out 90% of the world population. And, and these things deeply, deeply concern me. So I'm not going to go down that negative road right now. 
But I wanted to point out one more thing. If you talk to the people in Silicon Valley, those that I've listened to, their biggest concern about who's going to steal the technology is China every single time. If it costs $10 billion to develop chat GPT-5, it's only going to cost China $100 million to hire hackers to steal it. And every one of those Silicon Valley people will tell you right now that we cannot stop that from being released or being hacked into. It's, it's impossible at this point to protect that technology. If we can't protect it, I'm not sure that we should would have it out there. We should even go down that path. But that's that's something that's weighing on me. Uh, maybe Chase and I will dive into that on Beyond the Realm. We haven't done one of those for many, many months, and I, I'm, I'm excited about it. But I wanted to let people know the change will be exponential. Some talk about it being the 24th century technology be dumped into the 21st century, and we don't know how to handle it. We, we, we are way too premature in understanding the long-term impact. Enough on artificial intelligence. Tell me about Texas and Biden on the ballot or not on the ballot. Well, last week we talked about that Colorado's Supreme Court removed Trump from the ballot. So now this has just started all of this nonsense, which I do want to point out one thing. And again, I was not going to like this, but I'm going to point this out. So Viagra Ramshackle said that he's going to remove himself from the ballot in Colorado if they keep Trump off. While all the other Republican presidential candidates have spoken out against it, condemned it, whatever all this other stuff. When pushed, none of them would say they would take themselves off the ballot. Gavin Newsom said, like, spoke out against this. In parentheses, your your boyfriend. Right, yeah, uh-huh, that's it. Anyway, uh, so again, and I know he is a true sociopath or whatever, but the fact that he spoke out against it, that tells me he's definitely running for president. That That's the point that I'm getting at there. But no, I think you, you read between the lines very well there. <laughs> there is no other reason he would. None. No. He'd just leave it the hell alone. But anyway. And, and everybody's asking why would he do that? Why would he go against most of his Democrats? And it's very clear. It seems. Because he's running for president. Yes. But um. So this has started this tsunami of other nonsense. And now Texas has decided that they are going to take actions to remove Biden from the ballot, which I don't know what good that's going to do for multiple reasons. Number one, no one is running against Biden in the Democratic primary, period. There's no one because RFK moved to an independent so removing him from the ballot does nothing. Number two, Biden's not even going to be the nominee. But I, I get it I, as I, like a show of solidarity or whatever. But like, I think it's a terrible idea. This is idea. a terrible idea. Terrible. So I have a question with that. If they're removed from the primary ballot, does that mean they're not allowed on for the general election ballot as well? Assumably? Uh, I do not know. I, I, I'm not going to answer because I do not know that. I would assume the same would apply. I don't. I, I would I don't think have- you are right, but again, since I do not know, I, I know the color because when I first dove into the Colorado thing, it was said it was removed from the ballot. So I was just assuming that was like the presidential election ballot, but this is for the primary. But it very well may hold over if it's. I I think that this the statute they're leaning on prevents 
somebody, for example, and it goes back to the post-Civil War, somebody from the South that was involved in, in fighting the North or, or any of that was not allowed to run. So I, I, think it, I think it's to prevent them from becoming president. So I'm going to only assume if they're not allowing in the primary, then they, they are not going to allow in the general election either. And this, Again, this I, agree, I agree with you, but I don't know that. So, uh, but I do, last week I was a little, uh, I mean, I want to think the Supreme Court's going to shoot this down and do it in a hurry, but again, the Supreme Court's so squirrely, I just don't know, but I, I do think, because I, I looked this up just a little bit ago, because I saw something about it, but really didn't dive into it anyway. On Friday, the Supreme Court rejected a request by Special Counsel Jack Smith to fast-track the arguments on whether Donald Trump has presidential immunity from any or all of his indict the crimes that he's been indicted with. And the Supreme Court said no. So, uh, that, while it's completely different, whatever, that gives me a little more faith that they're trying to do the right thing because the only reason Jack Smith wanted this fast tracked is because he believes that he won't be granted presidential immunity and then he can take his cases to court quicker instead of all of this playing out through the appellate courts and working it's all his way up because all this is doing is it, I saw Bill Barr on Fox the other night I don't remember with who maybe it was Tucker I can't know Tucker's not on Fox anymore Maybe it was Jesse. But anyway, and Bill Barr said that what Trump is doing is running out the clock on all this. Because, again, that's what his lawyer's plans are, is run out the clock as long as humanly possible. And they're not worried about him actually getting convicted or any of this other stuff because they think that will actually help them in the votes. But the longer they can do this out, then they're thinking he will be elected president and then all of this will go away. So that, that is that. So when they told Jack Smith, sorry, you're out of luck. That gives me a little more faith that maybe they'll do the right thing. And for the first time ever, Dale, you're going to be so happy. So, so happy. I am going to discuss China. Aren't you this happy? I, knew, I, I have a little. Like I have holiday a holiday gift. I have a little China to throw in there. D- well. This is your holiday gift. This is for me. So, it was released this week. I know that, what you're, where you're going. This is good. Uh, that Biden's administration and our military officials were made an attempt to hide the Chinese spy balloon, not only from the public but also from the Congress and Senate. Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. And there is a phone call to prove this. And because people in Montana decided to look up and saw it, it blew the cover. I I just, I, 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 (laughs) this is, I mean, like you can think of all the great conspiracy theories and whatever, like who killed JFK, all this other stuff. The whole Biden administration is going to be the greatest conspiracy theory ever. Oh, I think when history reflects back on this, it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, like, first off, again, and I hate to keep saying this, how do these people work 
for and get paid by the government, which is all our money, our taxes, our money. How do these people get in these positions? Who the hell? Granted, I did not see the Chinese spy balloon in person, but I saw pictures. Any Anybody that looked up in the sky would have seen that and wanted to know what the hell it was. And they thought they could keep this covered up. That's that's impossible to understand. Again, I'm telling you, that's the ignorance. That in, in, This is not just the Biden administration. These are the top people in our military. See, I don't, I, I, there's no way that the military thought this was going to notice. I can see. Well, Biden, those were the two on the conversation discussing it. I can see Biden wanting to cover this up. And, and that, that raises the other question. And, and this has been posed many, many times. Why, why is Joe so soft on China? Why? What's your Don't thought? I, why, would, well, why wouldn't he adhere? Well, I think it's the same reason that we're giving all this money to Ukraine. Because eventually, he's getting a kickback. I have said that, that y'all forget. Not, not the reason Hunter I, I, is in trouble to begin with is because he was taking money from Ukraine when he's supposed to. And now we're just giving them millions and, and millions and, and millions where, and millions. Where else did he take money? China. It's and the same print, but... But yeah, that's the same. same it's the same principle. Yes. I, I think there's a lot. I think that the CCP has given money to Hunter and possibly Joe's brother, which eventually filtered into into Joe as we're coming out with some of the the bank documents. There is no question that the CCP or Russia could release information on Joe that would sink him. That here we gave him this much money in return for influence, and I think we're seeing the influence. Not announcing that the Chinese spy balloon. Not not doing anything. He met with with the Chinese leader what a few weeks ago in California. Have you heard anything about what they discussed? Anything? Mm-hmm. Nothing. No. Doesn't that seem a little bit odd when yes, when right. when the two major leaders uh, on the planet meet that are adversaries at this point, and there's nothing said about what was what took place? It's an unbelievable situation. I, I really I really don't get it. And and it's either obviously I believe it's absolutely they are basically blackmailing him, which he put himself in that position, because as you just mentioned with the balloon, there is no possible way they can be that ignorant. Cannot. The pictures I can vividly remember seeing pictures that people took from their cell phones on the ground. Now again, how they thought and. Also, and now maybe they were going to change whatever, but they let this thing fly all over the country for how many days? And they thought nobody was going to see it? Really? I can't even believe it. I can't. I heard that this morning as well, and I, I had it in the back of my mind to bring up. But you, you did a much I, better job explaining it. I, I really need to know how these people get put in these positions of power. And more importantly, why we pay them. Ryan, we, like, I, we as the people voted Joe Biden into office. Okay, in, no, in not theory. we. In theory. Not we. No, them. As a, as a, them, as the a, people. Yes, them, the people. A, a group of, of voting populace here in the United States. I, I understand that part. I understand so that what part. So that, what does that tell you about the voting populace? Okay, again, it was them, the people, not we, the people, but yes. I, I, I agree that Joe Biden got elected, okay? My point is... Nobody elected these two idiot military people that were in on this, and nobody 
the the stupid idiot that employed the two staffers that had sex and whatever, and the DeSantis's political campaign. I mean, these people are all idiots. Like, I don't get it. And again, those were not elected officials. People hired him. Them. I can just tell you, ignorance begets ignorance. It just it just feeds upon itself. That that is the oh. only way to explain it. And it starts at the top. I promise you. And if anybody thinks that that there there cannot be, and and I'm this leads me into the, to the next portion. John Kerry was on some liberal news channel, and Fox had a little blip of it. I believe last night or this morning. John Kerry, our, our climate czar, for whatever that means, flying around the world in his private jet appears on a, on a liberal news network claiming Sleepy Joe is doing a great job as president and his age is not a factor and inhibiting his ability to run the country, all of these things. Ryan, do you think there's anybody that, that has paid any attention to anything in the United States that thinks Joe is not is cognitively capable? There, there's no way. If, if you're paying any no, attention No, e- even MSNBC and CNN are questioning his cognitive abilities. Yeah. Even if they're not paying attention, they have to feel the impact of his bad policy. They have to understand it when they go to the grocery store in terms of how much money they have available to spend on, on food and in just living. I mean, inflation is, is taken away so much from so many. So even if they're not paying attention to, to Joe on the news or listening to him, give a speech or try to stumble through something, they're feeling it every day. And I just hope that they understand that this is a direct result of bad policy. And when he came into office, he was so set on reversing everything Trump did, good or bad, and he, he had to know better. He reversed everything he possibly could, and now look look where we're at. And and it's too long to even list everything that that's that's happened. It's 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 a terrible situation. It's a wreck. I, 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 well, how was that for for current event news? How was that? I don't know. <laughs> just just so all know, we're recording extremely early this week. We have obviously Christmas coming up, and I leave with my family the next day to head to Arizona National. So we didn't know for sure when we we're going to be able to record. So I don't know how current our current events. Dale's goats take precedent over everything. Everything. Oh, so again, was, when next you. week when everything is completely different, it's Dale's fault that the current events are like three weeks early because his goats take precedent over everything. Me and Clifton tried to be accommodating, but no, 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 the, no, 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 no. Lies, 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 and lies. <laughs> BTRJLA news, please. Uh huh. Okay. So this week, uh, since this is the last podcast for 2023, this is going to be a little long, but. I want to give a shout out to all of our national sponsors. So I'm going to name them all. I'm not going to give an ad for all of them, but I'm going to name them all. And at the corporate level, we have Chocote Solutions, South Texas, South Texas Series, Brock Farms Angus, Leonard Truck and Trailer, and Basic Animal Health. We appreciate them for being a corporate sponsor. And again, uh, Leonard Truck and Trailer and Showcoat were both corporate sponsors last year. The All Around was donated by Oldwood Limited for the second year. Cattle, McGrew Equipment, who was also a national species sponsor last year. Sheep was MagnaWave. Pigs were Crownstone 
which was a national species sponsor last year as well. Top 10 Jackets, the Magnus Family, Basic Animal Health, and Blue Team Weathers. We appreciate all of them for donating towards the Top 10 Jackets. Magnus Family was also a Top 10 Jacket sponsor last year. Top 10 Awards, Ellis Beefmaster, Leonard Truck and Trailer, and Reprologics. All of those fine people were sponsors last year as well. Our regional sponsors for Region 1, Curly Cattle Company, ICSB NorCal, Shannon Stone, Gary Kincaid, and Radiant Reds, Region 2, Forspear Ranch, Wireman Ranch, and we had two anonymous donors in Region 2. We appreciate them very much. Region 3, Kiefer Austins, Chad Walker, and Scott Steggy family. Region 4, Richie Showsteer, Stock Show Therapies, Dobble Show Pigs, and Creed Garriott Goat Fitting Clinic. Region 5, Leonard Truck and Trailer, Basic Animal Health, and Susan Burner Interstate Showdown, and the Showman App also was a region sponsor for us. So again, thank you to all of our national and regional sponsors for 2023. We appreciate you. Very, very much. Dale, I am going to let you do show coat right quick because I have forgot to pull up the top 10. So I'm going to do I wondered that. where that was gone, if it disappeared uh, or where it went. But thank you, Show Fresh H2O for con- Show Fresh H2O. I'm sorry. That's who I'm going to let you know. <laughs> Show Fresh H2O for your I've continued had support of the junior stock show world. So today we're actually packing up the trailer to head to Arizona National. We're going to be delivering a lot of sale goats from our past two doe sales. So quite a few animals on the trailer that will be on the trailer for a few days while we're there until people start heading back to their homes post Arizona National. And I can assure you the goats on our trailer will be on show fresh H2O and that is going to benefit their water consumption, keep them healthy, keep them looking the part as they, they make their trip back and hopefully strengthen that immune system just from that extra water intake. American Made, available at the local farm store, Show Supply Trailer, and SwampFox.com. Thank you, Show Fresh H2O. We do appreciate your support. Okay. And so, for the last top 10 standings of 2023, national standings, I am going to do the all-around end out 2023. And again, not saying it will change, but Arizona National is a triple point show, so anything can happen. Right now, in first, Piper Liska, Yuma, Arizona. Second place, Isabel Lowry, Helena, Montana. Third place, Zane Downey, Whitehall, Montana. First, fourth place, Macy Zerbach, Roseburg, Roseburg, Oregon. Fifth place, Paisley Carlson, Orland, California. Sixth place, Elmer Hambrick, Golden Valley, Arizona. Seventh place, Echo Bartles, Lorna, Colorado. Eighth place, Callie Simpson, Eager, Arizona. Ninth place, Dallas Ritchie, LaPorte, Indiana. And 10th place, Addison Sharp from Eagle Mountain, Utah. So that is the top 10 in all around right now. Again, everything is very much subject to change with Arizona National being a triple point show ending out the year point. So there we go. Congratulations, that top 10. It'll be interesting to see how it, it falls out. And I, I do recognize some of those names that there is no question some of those will be at the Arizona National. So we, we look forward to seeing if it holds, if it changes, what direction that goes. Today's topic, Livestock Judging 2.0. Ryan, you, you've talked about we needed to do this for 
several months, uh, a second part. Well, we had just haven't done one on livestock judging in a while. And again, we had the most wonderful time of the year last year. Well, this is a really exciting time if you're a livestock judge, collegiately at least, because again, if you're in senior college, this is when your year starts. And uh, I'm sure most of them had been on a winter workout prior to Christmas. We'll be on another one after <laughs> on their way to their first contest, whether that's Arizona National Cattlemen's Congress, who knows which one. But And if you're a junior college contestant, your year is about to end out. So you're on that last push all the way through Houston and trying to end strong. So either way, very, very exciting time. So I just felt that, you know, we haven't done one on livestock judging in a while. It's very, very requested all the time. I don't know how much new of a spin we can put on it, but we will try. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think that I, I'm going to open it up even, even beyond just the collegiate, but all the way down to 4-H, FFA. And, and then as we go into the junior college and, and senior college ranks, we have teams heading to Arizona National, Denver, Cattlemen's. I mean, they're, you're right. Right now, there's, there's a lot of contests coming up. And it's interesting. These, these 4-H and FFA teams that qualify in each state is different on how they determine who's going to what contest, but that qualify to go to Arizona or qualify to go to the Cattlemen's or, or even Denver. And it's exciting. It really is. I know that we've donated some benefits, fundraising events for a lot of 4-H or FFA teams, not only in livestock judging, but the skillathons and quiz bowls and, and everything across the board. But those kids are going to experience something that that's going to going to help take them down a path that hopefully is very, very good in life. And I'm going to back all the way up, and I know I talked about this in the first time, but there is no question, and, and Ryan and I will, will discuss and debate what, what we've benefited from livestock judging. Just to simplify it, there is no question my freshman year in high school, if my ag teacher did not come to me and, and encourage me to be on the livestock judging team, I would have taken a much, much different path in life. That simple, period. No question. Would you have life. been a prostitute? It would have gone a, a very odd direction. I do not believe to that point, but but Damn it would it. have gone a very odd direction. Again, I like my story so much better. <laughs> understand, understand. What what are your what are your thoughts, Ryan, in in terms of and, and this is a hot topic and sometimes sensitive. You have you have made the comment and it has not been popular with some. No, that I don't live, want to be again. <laughs> livestock judging team participation competition doesn't necessarily prepare you for the livestock show. And I'm, I want to leave that one just alone for right now. Obviously, you see huge benefits in, in doing, participating and competing in livestock judging. If it's not about preparing you for the, the, the show ring, and I, I happen to agree with you on a lot of these things, what is it preparing you to do? And my experience is vastly different from almost anybody's. But I think in general, I think what it does do for a lot of kids is now more than ever, I think that most kids are probably more one species experienced, focused on one species, not all of them. And so again, for kids that are like that, I think that's the vast majority. Not saying that they haven't probably ever shown something of everything, but normally you focus on one because it's so competitive right now that's what you need to do to stay at the top levels. I think it does give kids a better understanding of maybe 
what the trends are, what to look for in other species and stuff like that. And I think that can be beneficial. I think it's at least giving giving them the basics of the other species so they have something to build upon. And I think just a better understanding in general. Right. And, and, and I think I, this happens with a lot of kids. And I think that's good. And I appreciate that. And I see that. I also think that sometimes maybe we don't realize that the basic principles of structure and eye appeal and look and muscularity and width and dimension, those should go across all species. And sometimes we lose sight of that. But I do think it does give a much better understanding to kids that have may not had any experience with the other species it gives them that. I think one of the best things that livestock judging does is it gives these kids a chance to go to other operations. And, you know, yes, you're there to judge and place classes and work out and all this other stuff. But you also get to know many, many, many people and you make contacts. And if you make a good impression on those people, that will carry you a long ways. I can't tell you How many stories I know of that somebody was at a workout at somebody's farm, ranch, whatever, and at some point that a judging team kid worked for them, helped them, they helped that kid or something along the way. And uh, you get to do that a lot. And so I think that is a very crucial, beneficial, and integral part of it as well. And you also get to learn about how different operations work and how they become successful because I think it's very obvious to everybody that everybody's story is not the same. And so you get to see a cross-section of what has worked for different people in different species. And I think that's very beneficial as well. No, I, I would agree with that. And I want to expand a little bit, Ryan, and on the relationships that are built when they're at the different operations. And you're right. We, we've had many students, and I can use ours as an example, that have come through here on livestock judging teams, eventually been interned, some even full-time employees and in purchased animals. There, there's been a lot of connection past that, that initial contact uh, that, that is lifelong. And I think if, if you look at it, not only just the connections that they're making with some of those breeders, if they make a good impression while visiting their operation, think about the connections they're making with their teammates and, and others that are in that same arena. And I think when you put yourself in that position to be on the livestock judging team, and I think it increases as we go from 4-H to FFA to junior college and senior college, but it starts at 4-H and FFA that you, you're around like-minded people. And I think that is is usually a very, very good thing. And those same like-minded people become your close friends, become your close contacts. And eventually, post-college, if you choose to take it that far, you're going to have connections that benefit your network more than, than what I can explain. And it may not be two years out of college. It may not be three or 10. It may be 20. But I promise you, all of those people that you met, if they're in that same arena with you in livestock judging, a lot of them will stay in the same arena in life, post-college, post-judging team experiences. And those people become very, very valuable for, for many, many reasons. And, and Ryan and I can, can attest, I, I wouldn't even want to make a list of the people I met through livestock judging or became close with that I am now 
working with in, in various relationships, whether it's a partnership or not, but benefiting one another by that friendship and that association that was made a long time ago. This is probably more my personal experience than most other people's because, again, I, I think a lot of people growing up, not only in high school, but before that, have all been parts of either team sports or some type of team or something like that. I had not ever. I'd, I'd, <laughs> and so uh, I just really don't believe in team events because you have to rely on other people to win. And that's very difficult for me. And so I had never been a part of a team. And so I, I think the thing that I took for it more than anything, and again, it is so much different and I wasn't that long ago, but it is, it's very, very different now than it was then. We were in a van almost every day of the week, going to workouts around A&M, all this other stuff. But what I learned is, more than anything, is how to deal with people in a competitive situation, in a non-competitive situation, people you liked, people you didn't like, authority figures, all of these things. I learned more that year than probably any other year of my life in that setting right there. And I think no matter how many times you're on a team, I think you'll still learn some of that when you go into this because it is a different environment and things like that. But uh, for me, that was the most beneficial thing by far of what I learned personally as my livestock judging team experience. And that, that's interesting to me, Ryan, because I think when most people or parents or people in the industry that may not have gone through that program or, or just getting started into it, you, you always assume the benefits are going to become, are, are going to be that, oh, if I, I do well, I'm going to judge shows or I'm going to learn how to evaluate each species. And, and that's good. That's great. That's all a part of it. But I think it's, it's things like you just talked about there and the example that I use that it, it took me down a completely different life path that have the biggest impact. So it's not always what it, it appears on the surface. And I can use my, my kids as an example. All, all four children are involved or were involved in livestock judging, but each of them are getting and have gotten much different experiences from that and benefits from that, even though they're all raised very similar. And, and obviously uh, you would think would have a similar experience, but if I use Tara, for example, she fully engrossed herself in, into livestock judging through 4-H on into junior college and, and on into to senior college at K-State. And I think it's benefited her in, in many ways that we've talked about right, right here. And I, I think she really embraces that. And I think what will benefit her the most are, are those connections later in life in her situation in particular because she's going to stay involved, it appears, in, in the animal industry. If you look at Chase, who we've had on here as a guest several times, Chase didn't really have any interest in showing. Chase didn't have a lot of interest in the livestock judging part of it. He's a freshman at Lakeland College and decided that he would take the livestock judging class and, and work out with the freshman livestock judging team and be a member of that team just to gain some information, especially outside of understanding how to evaluate goats. But Ryan had talked about earlier he's kind of a one species person and, and can see some differences there, but it was really good for him to get into the others. 
And I think that the largest benefit- He really has appreciation for the lambs with tails, by the way. He, likes he does. He does like those. But I think what, what he's going to benefit the most from is he part of the decision to be on that livestock judging team and to go to a junior college that was agriculture-based and an animal science program is he's around like-minded people and he's around his people that he's really grown to, to enjoy. And it, it just works. It makes for a better experience. And I think what, what he's getting out of it, whether he chooses to go on his sophomore year and compete or not, I'm, I'm not sure, but he's still benefiting from that in, in many, many ways. Katie's just, just getting started in 4-H and, and she's a little bit like Ryan when she, she does not like to lose, period. And she's a little hesitant when she was younger to jump well, in. Well, if you do like to lose, <laughs> you're a moron. I'm not saying like to lose. She despises that. Yeah, she's a me very, very, very competitive person. And early on, we didn't give her a lot of guidance. And we just kind of threw her into some of those contests. And she really didn't know what she was doing. And it was very negative for her. Now that we've worked with her just a little bit, she's starting to thrive and, and really, really enjoy it. And my, my fourth child, Dylan, our oldest, he competed at the national FFA contest, I believe as a freshman in high school, um, without a lot of experience at that time, survived the contest, but would never expect him to have excelled because we, we just had not worked with him much. But sometimes when you win that state contest and you have the opportunity, you go forward. Unfortunately, once you compete at the national level in FFA or 4-H, you can no longer compete again and in, in you're, you're ineligible for a lot of contests. So Post that, he did not do as much livestock judging. So it, he, he probably took away less than maybe what the other three children are. My wife, Holly, similar situation to me, definitely changed her life path. So there's, there's a lot involved in this, guys, and, and we could go so many different directions. And I, I promise you what it did for me in high school, what it did for me as a career, the reason I went on to college was to the motivating factor was to be on a livestock judging team. It helped pay for college. The reason I went on to grad school is because I had an opportunity to coach at the University of Illinois. And once I started that, that is what I wanted to do and, and took a position coaching at the junior college for many, many years. And, and it was a huge part of my life. And, and it's, it's a part of my life that I, I truly enjoyed and had so much, I guess, contact and, and respect for so many students that, that went through those programs and gave so much of their time. I think, Ryan, maybe you can explain it for us. I don't know that once you get to the collegiate level, and I'm, I'm sure it hasn't changed much, and I'm not hands-on with it at the moment, but how much of your time in life that's going to take in dedication, which in turn develops a lot of responsibility, work ethic, it just continues to foster positive traits. But if you're competing at a competitive level in either junior or senior college, how much commitment is that, Ryan? You can it's use the senior consuming. college one. Yeah, I mean it's it's all consuming, and and I think it is very much representative of what we see in the actual livestock shows. Long gone are the days of when you know you might do this just. I don't want to say part-time, but not maybe fully commit to that and go win a national show. That doesn't happen. I mean, maybe on a fluke, but and, and years people, ago, both, both in the show ring and lifestyle judging that that did happen. Right. But, but, but it is not, it's not even, a, it's not even a thing. And so it is something that it is all consuming. And I, and I am not a parent. 
And thank God that I made the conscious decision not to be. Because that, that, may, poor that child, may have been the most intelligent thing. You've oh, the most the most intelligent life decision I've ever made. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I get that you want your kids to be well-rounded and you want them to be involved in all these things. And there's only so many hours in a day. But I think the pendulum has kind of swung too far in that direction. And maybe because of that, that's why by and large, not in our industry, but in the world or our country, we see more emphasis on participation trophy type things where, oh, you you competed, you did good, yay for you. Because if you do want to be at the top, you're pretty much going to have to emphasize on that one thing. And I think for some kids that, you know, in high school were on the football team, but still showed livestock, did all this other stuff. When they get to college, this may be their first taste of, I can devote all of my effort, all of my energy, and all of my talents to this and this alone. And I think that changes a bunch of people when they see what they can actually do when they have a singular focus. I would agree. And I think today more than ever, and maybe it's because I'm a parent and it's more exaggerated, but I think if I look at- person that goes to every volleyball, basketball, traffic, track, shoot. She shoots guns or something. I don't know. (laughs) No, she does not shoot guns. I swear to God, she did clay shooting at some point. No, what I'm getting at is, is there, I believe high school age kids, even junior high, are probably, I, I don't know if it's because there's more activities available or more opportunities to to partake in those activities. I don't know why it is. And and we limit um, Katie to only two sports. And Ryan would say we should probably limit to zero. More like but, 15 sports. But she no, she's only allowed two. And it's, it's, it's currently volleyball and basketball. And even with those two sports, and, and I understand if, if somebody wants to excel in either one of those, and, and she's very competitive in both, However, when she's in, in volleyball season, she's practicing every night of the week. So it's taken away from, from barn time until afterwards and making for much later nights. Same thing with basketball. And I, I get frustrated sometimes with, with the coaches that if we're gone for a show or, or we have something going on, they're not very understanding at times. Um, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, depending on the individual coach. But I try to explain this. This is something that is definitely lifelong for her whether it's showing or judging contest or, or whatever it may be, maybe we're flushing that day and we need her present to, to help with the, uh, the, the flush day. I get it. Every coach wants their, their team members to be as dedicated as possible. And that's what Ryan's alluding to. When you get to college, it, it pretty much is if, if you're going to make that competitive team at a junior college or senior college level that has a chance to win a national contest, you're not going to be doing a lot of other things that that is going to consume a lot of your time. And, and I think as, as Ryan also stated, we go from doing so many activities and so pushed to, to get everything pushed or everything in and, and maybe can't focus on one singular thing. That is a big change. And some, some people are not going to like it. Maybe it's not going to be for you. And unless you're engrossed into the livestock arena, whether it's the show ring or the judging or, you want to make a, a career in the livestock industry, judging livestock at the collegiate level because of the time commitment at a competitive level is not going to be for everyone. It just isn't. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
but you need to realize that that if you if you choose to go to a junior college that's that's very very competitive and you think you're going to compete on their team that's going to the national contest and you would like to be in contention in the top 10 or win one of those contests you're going to have to dedicate everything i mean it's, it's it's almost all of your time period i'm not saying you don't have time to go to class and do well in those things but any extra time will go that direction and we get this question a lot while I'm on the topic of junior college versus senior college. Not many students today, and I'm not saying none, but it's unusual that they they can do what Ryan did and go straight to senior college I think and I was find the last it. of a dying breed. Yeah, there, you, you'll hear of them once in a while. And when I was coaching at the University of Illinois, I would love to take those kids that came in there as, as four year students and extremely intelligent and eager to learn. And some of those did very well for me, but that that was a long time ago. And at this point, the experience you're gaining through going through the junior college program, a successful program, it is so difficult for the four-year students that didn't have that to catch up. I'm not saying they can't by Louisville in their national contest. They can, but a lot of them will jump in and they see where they're at, relatively speaking, to some of the transfer kids. And it's frustrating and discouraging and all, all the above. And, and a lot of them choose not to not to compete against those kids for fear they're, they're just not going to make that team. So it's elevated. Ryan mentioned about how competitive it is. I, I can't explain it. And with that competitiveness, just like what a lot of you out there see in the show ring, you have to completely jump in and dedicate yourself if you want to succeed at the highest level, period. There's, mm. there's no other way around. We're backtracking a little bit, but you were, we were talking about, because you kind of jumped up to a new topic, but back on the singular focus and all that, you said it might be difficult for kids. And I, I think I think some thrive and some didn't. I contribute a lot of my success, not only in, in judging, but in life in general, as to while I may not be the norm, I have always had a very good grasp of my abilities, my limitations, stuff like that. And again, I do not see the purpose or point in doing anything that you do not succeed at. I do not think that is a wise way of life or whatever, but I'm just telling you, for me, I have never seen the point of doing something that you could not be absolutely elite or one of the best at. And so I only dedicated myself to livestock showing. And then when I went to college, even though I didn't go to a junior college, again, those first two years, I was still dedicating myself to livestock judging. I talked reasons every week. I looked at classes. I did things. I mean, I did all you could back in that time without being on a junior college team. But I think a lot of my success was I was already there. I knew exactly how to dedicate myself to one thing, solely one thing, and only one thing, and never lose focus of that, and I don't think many other people have. And so uh, I think that is a transition that it is, it is hard to make, and for some, definitely, but I also think it is something that everyone needs to see and realize. And uh, so just wanted to put that little two cents in there and again i'm glad that you brought up whether going to junior college senior college all this stuff i one of the most asked questions i get 
at shows from kids and parents is I'm interested in livestock judging. What do I do? And um, I get it mostly from kids that are normally junior junior high, early high school years. And the first thing that I say, and again, 4-H and FFA are very different in all parts of the country. So, but, uh, and sometimes this isn't possible, but the first thing I say is you need to start on a 4-H or an FFA team. And again, I did not do that, (laughs) but I think that's the way to go. And uh, I think if you will go back and look and research and see, and I guess I'm very knowledgeable about it because I stay very actively involved in the circuit of livestock judging, uh, those kids that have more experience, it's just like everything else. The more times you're in a competitive environment actually doing it, the better off you're going to be, the more you're going to learn. And so if you can be on a 4-H or FFA team, that that's where you first need to start. And uh, I know that's not open to everybody, but if you can and you really, really are interested in this, then you need to start there. And the problem with that is, just like we talked about, that's going to spread your time even thinner. But uh, I also think that you'll get your feet wet, you'll have a small idea of what this takes, and you can decide if it is worth it to continue. Absolutely. And I think you can relate it very similar to, if you definitely want to judge and, and be competitive at the senior college level, we talked about it's probably an advantage to go to the junior college program first. And you can even go back one more step that if you want to be on a competitive junior college team, not that you have to right now, but it's getting more and more that way, you need to be involved in this, at least at some level in 4-H and FFA in an ideal situation. Are there kids that show up junior college that have never been in a contest that succeed? Absolutely. And some coaches will tell you they love those kids, especially if their work ethic is right, their intelligence level is, is strong all the things that they can then coach them that maybe they had some, some, some things that when kids come into the experience, they want to change some like starting with that blank slate, but in general, and Ryan, Ryan made the comment, the more times you put yourself in that arena and into a judging contest, those experiences, whether, whether you see it immediately or not, or not are going to be a benefit. They, they just are. And that's, that's the best way to get started. And, I get asked, Ryan, and, and I know you do as well, what junior college or what senior college do I need to go to for, for livestock judging? And, and at this point, I'm very hesitant to answer that because I'm not as deep into those circles as I used to be at one time. I still follow the judging arena and pay attention to what's going on. Through me. Yeah, but I, I don't yeah, I don't want to I don't want to go out on the limb because I I, I don't know a lot of the junior college coaches and I, I, I know a handful of them at this point and I, I know a handful of the senior college coaches, but there's been a, especially in the junior college rank, the turnover has been of coaches has been pretty high. So it's hard maybe to, to keep track of, of who's coaching and, and where they're at and, and what's going on. But there's a lot of really good options out there and and hopefully those of you that that want to pursue that area. I strongly encourage you to to go visit your junior year, your senior year, visit as many as you think you might be interested in. And, and there'll be one of them that you feel good about that just fits. And and you have to be the one that, that decides where you're going to go, not your parents, not somebody else. Because Dale is you being decide, very politically correct. In no, I, I, I think this is right. Not politically correct about not telling you what college to go to, but 
I'm very, very sincere that the the student needs to decide or have a huge part in deciding where they're going to go. And it seems to me when they decide, they will put more effort into it. They they have more ownership. Where I've seen too many times when I when I was teaching and coaching that a parent strongly encouraged this is where you're going. And sometimes those kids fought back just a little bit because maybe they wanted to go somewhere else. But those that chose this was where they wanted to be more times than not would put that extra effort out. And so just just a little bit of, of I guess, my personal background that that I encourage parents, please get the kids out. Please visit all of those schools. And even if you're you're out visiting junior colleges, visit some of the senior colleges, especially if you're in that area. You're you 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 have a lot of good options out there. Ryan would tell everybody to go to Texas A&M. Aggies no, all the way. No, 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 oh. no. I am not the brainwashed maroon underwear wearing Aggie. No, I'm not. But anyway, I, I have I a, thought. I thought I have that a, went there was. Huh? No, I thought, not me. I may be the only one. I don't even wear the stupid ring. But anyway, next. Um, did, you buy, did you buy the ring? My mother did. <laughs> Why? I don't know because she's crazy. Would you I, let me answer I, the, an important I not, question? I did not even buy a senior class ring. Uh, there's, I, it's the biggest scam in the world. Ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, so while I agree with Dale on the visiting of junior college or senior colleges, I'm going to tell you the real reasons why. <laughs> and it's not, it's some, what he says is valid, but the real reason to go and visit as many of these colleges that you can is you need to spend time with that coach. Because that coach is going to hold your life in your hands for for a year or two, year and a half or two years, whatever. And if you don't vibe and you don't gel or you don't have faith in that person or they don't believe in you, you are already fighting an uphill battle. And I'm just going to get real with you. To be a coach of any kind, does not matter what kind, you're going to have a little bit of ego in you. (laughs) That's just all there is to it. You got to. And so you need to meet with those coaches and figure out which one you work the very best with and which one you think you believe in, they believe in you. There's either warm fuzzies or there's some trust, some faith, whatever you want to call it, but y'all vibe together. And that is probably as important as anything else. Because again, if y'all aren't on the same wavelength and you don't think that one is going to help you and you don't think that person is in your corner, then you're just at a loss. It it just won't work. It will not work if you don't. For that whole deal. You better have. You better. Blend, you better not only have respect, but it, it better be to a level that that maybe you're not even aware of at this point. And, because there's going to be a lot of times when they're going to come down on you hard. And just and coaches have favorites. That's just all there is to it. It, it is part of it. I don't care. And I, I I'm gonna get 900 texts from coaches. I can't believe you said it. It is true. Coaches have favorites, and you want to be one of their favorites. I'm telling you, you do. The other thing that I would say, and I, I get this quote, which which college do I go to? The coach is probably the most important thing. The other thing I'm going to say is going to be very, very controversial. And again, y'all know I do not care. I think a lot of times 
everyone's like, I want to go to this one because they win consistently, all this other stuff. Now, if you are absolutely outstanding at this, then that's probably fine. If you know that you have the talent and the skill that you're going to market every contest, regardless of where you go, that's great for you. I think sometimes a lot of kids get wrapped up in, I want to go to this school because they have a reputation for winning when they could pick another school where they could go be the all-star and get a lot of personal recognition and awards. Maybe not as much as a team, but personally and individually. And they don't use that option to their benefit because they think by going to the school that is consistently in the top three and all this other stuff, that's going to benefit them more. It's not going to benefit jack shit if you're not marking, period. Because long gone are the days of national champion team, blanket, whatever, all this other stuff. They're the ones that get the judging job. That's all gone. It is now more about who succeeds, who stands out as an individual, in my opinion, more than a team, because again, all the teams are, a lot of those teams are very, very competitive. And so I think a lot of times we don't even put that into our mind. I can go here and maybe I'll mark, maybe I won't. Or I can go to this school that goes to all the same contest. I can be an all-star. I can stand out. I can get individual recognition and maybe my team won't win but it's going to help me more in the long run. And again, that is not going to be popular, but no, that's Mr. Mr. That's team player, truth. Mr. Team player. I'm not a team player. I made that very clear. I know what I would like. And I, I will reach out because I know you won't do this. I would love Dr. You are not going to get, you're not going to get Dr. Skaggs on this podcast. So it's Dr. Skaggs to come on and, and just talk about. He lost all of his hair because of me. Leave me alone. Do you think in hindsight, he would have rather you were not on that judging team? Who he probably would have rather not met me in my life, but <laughs> I don't blame him. But I would love. Do you to have not him see on. any value in what I just said? No, absolutely. And not only, not only that. Some, I mean, sometimes, and and you can you can do it at the junior college or senior college level. If you say, "Well, I'm going to go to such and such college because they've got twenty of the best recruits coming." That's that's great that you're going to be on a, a team that pushes you and obviously a program that has had success, but you better be pretty damn good if you, you think you're going to go there and for sure make that team and, and be one that marks cards everywhere. And I'm not saying go to a college that, that has had zero success or anything like that, but there are a lot of pretty good options with, with coaches that are very, very capable going to a lot of different contests. I, I would put yourself in a situation push yourself as hard as you can and go for that, that most competitive, go to that most competitive school. If you, if you think you can make that team and are willing to put that effort in, if not look at one of the others that that's still ultra competitive, but maybe doesn't have 30 recruits coming in from junior college that are going to, going to be battling for those five spots in senior college, put yourself in a position that you feel comfortable with. And, and like Ryan said, if, if you aren't marking cards, Unfortunately, right now, you're probably not going to get much recognition. I'm not saying you won't get a lot of good from traveling, competing, all those things in the contest that you can. 
but it's those that are marking cards at the national contest and, and getting their names called are the ones that are, are gaining in terms of you're looking for just recognition. If you're looking just to build the skills and, and be better yourself in life, I think, I think it's fine. But if your goal is to mark and get recognized, be smart about where you go. Yeah, and that, that, that's and that's just something that nobody I say that, but nobody, not many other people say that. I'm just like, do you do you want to go fight for a spot and maybe get her, maybe not, or do you want to go somewhere where you know you're going to mark, you're going to be an all star? And again, this is not going to be popular either. The all stars get more attention from the coaches. That's just the truth. It just is. Again, no, it is, and maybe a better, a better way to summarize. Let's say there there is an absolute ranking, which there isn't, of top five junior colleges to go to in, in the country. If you're in high school and haven't had a lot of experience, but feel pretty confident, maybe look at at two, three, four, or five, and and maybe you could go to one, and the, and it's going to push you to be the very best. That's good, but just be realistic about it because there's a lot of a lot of kids that are encouraged to go on to to that junior college or senior college with the impression that they're probably going to be one of those five that mark cards at most of the national contests that never do. And could they have had a different experience if they would have, would have gone to a different, a different college? Um, I think so. And, and I'm not, I, I don't want to be taken incorrectly. I always want every student to, to go where they, they feel comfortable and, and feel like it's going to be the best for them. And if you're a competitive person and you want to dive in with both feet, jump right in at that that college that has the most recruits or or most junior college kids coming in. That's going to push you that much harder, make you that much better. But remember, if you're that sixth person, you're going to feel a little bit of pain. And that, that's my whole point. Again, if you know you can mark wherever you want to go, then of course you're going to go to the one that you think is going to be the most competitive because when that team wins all those team members get up there and they all get their names put on facebook and the pulse and all this other stuff but if you're not one of those five or six it doesn't matter if you're on that team or not because nobody knows and that's just something that i think people need to think about and consider but again that is also something about just making the best decision for you and i i I think you should factor in everything into it and uh just like dale talked about earlier if if you're gonna do this and you want to be competitive i I don't think there's an option to not do the juco route anymore Uh, i think that's i mean very very seldom do you see where someone who has not taken that route uh be competitive on a national level in senior college, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very rare, I guess. And so I would always suggest that you go to JUCO. Uh, sometimes I, I wish that I would have had the option to go to JUCO. And then other times I think I probably would have never made it to senior college without murdering someone. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it worked out the way it did. It worked out very well for me. But uh, again, I, I, think now that my advice would definitely go the JUCO route. And again, Dale didn't think that this would be able to last as long as it needs to, but we've talked about all that. But the one thing that I want to talk about before we go is uh, wrap up is Dale. I want to know what you, in terms of being a success, what is your best advice 
what, no matter what team you're on or whatever, what what is your best advice to these kids? And at, particularly at the collegiate level, uh, is it focus more? Because you, you see, I, I think everybody's different. And again, you got to play to your strengths. There are some people that are way more gifted at getting off the floor impeccably clean, maybe not as strong in reasons or vice versa. But uh, again, and people seem to think because there's more placing classes than reasons classes, maybe that's more important. I guess I don't think so. But uh, what is your take on it? I'm going to, I'm going to reach back to my 12, 15 plus years of, of coaching, 18, 20. At, <laughs> coaching at the collegiate level. When and he, Took them in covered it's, wagons. It's hard. It's hard to pinpoint one thing, but there's something you mentioned very briefly earlier, Ryan, that I'll, I'll take back to. And I, I can identify, in hindsight, it's easy to identify those those kids that I coached that had success judging and, and on later even in life. And one thing I want to, want to bring up, and it's, it's off topic and I'll come right back. Guys, remember, and we, Ryan and I just finished talking a lot about getting that recognition and your name called. There's a lot more to it. If you're just in it for the recognition, then some of those things we said there, absolutely. But building life schools, relationships, all of those things can be done. And one thing that we I have to, to, to backtrack just a little bit, if you've got 30 kids coming into junior college that are all like-minded and competitive, there's that many more connections that you've probably made. So there are, are advantages, but if your number one goal is to to make the team get called, all those things, and then go back to kind of what we said. But there's a lot of benefits on 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 following those masses of like-minded people. Going we back, discussed that at yes, the start in depth. Going back to the question that, that Ryan posed, you said something, Ryan, that when you became, that was your sole focus at Texas A&M when you were, were getting ready for your senior college team that you would, you would give reasons in front of the mirror. You, that is pretty much all you did is you, you took that and it's, it's those students that have enough respect for the coach. And I'm giving Dr. Skaggs a lot of credit because Ryan is a handful and, and that coach can get as much out of those, those kids as possible. But each of those, those kids competing in that team, if they don't have respect for that coach and believe that coach can guide them down the right path, it's just not going to work. But maybe just as importantly, you have to, it's so competitive, you have to combine everything. It's the students that are going above and beyond what we do in practice, what we do preparing at each contest, whether it's, it's in route to the contest or whatever it may be. It's taking it so serious, you're going to go above and beyond and do things on your own time. Make, make If you're absolutely committed, make it your life. And, and put your best foot forward every single chance you get to better yourself in, in whatever manner that may be. So back to that, is it more important to, to place the classes or give reasons? I think we could debate that all day long. I think an intelligent coming into junior college, an intelligent kid that had some livestock background, whether it be showing or commercial, at least some would be, be good and wanted to become the absolute best. The one thing that we haven't talked about in, in this, Ryan, that we've talked about so many times, they better have that killer competitive nature, hate to lose attitude. And those kids that hate to lose, guess what? Irregardless of their ability, they will usually find a way to catch up or make up and become the best because they're driven so hard they don't want to get beat. 
and and that that becomes very important. Maybe that's your your weekend placings. You you work harder and try to get better. Maybe you're weak in the reasons room and you you spend that extra time giving those extra sets to get to that point. Anything you can do in that competitive spirit is going to push you as far as anything. And guess what the world is lacking right now, Ryan? Go ahead. Remember you you, you talked about participation. Everybody's a winner. That will be the downfall of a lot of a lot of young young kids out there because guess what? The real world is very competitive and it will eat you alive if you think you're just gonna win in life by not not going that extra mile. Again, I think that's one of the biggest benefits of not only livestock judging, but livestock showing is we still emphasize and stress and embrace individual success. I know that's just terrible that we do, but I I, I think it's at this day and age probably the overwhelming quality that is the most important in both of these industries, whether they're the same industry, but both of those events. But uh, people ask me all the time, what is my advice or what, what would I tell you to do? And Dale kind of brought it up. And uh, I, I think like Dale says, I think you just have to be, and I don't want to say obsessed, but you have to be beyond driven. I, I, you, would, I would I would say obsessed because those, and I because I was and I I, I mean it, it's fine I admit it but people don't like to hear that word but uh, I I think that's kind of where you got to be but and, uh, and and you're you're blocking out a lot of other things in life that you're missing out on to do that but that's that's where we are if you want to attain the success Ryan think about the last five years. The kids succeeding at the highest level in junior college and senior college livestock judging, almost all of them that, that would come to my mind that I can recognize that they did well enough that, wow, they, they stood out. I consider each one of those people hyper, hyper competitive people in general. No. And then, I mean, I agree. Uh, I just know that it's not going to be real popular when say that but it is it just, the truth. it just is what it is yeah it is the truth and again i i get i kids tell me all the time well i think the best thing that i did and i think it's still true holds true to this day and uh is i would practice in front of a mirror sets upon sets upon sets upon sets upon sets and people say well i can record them on my phone and go back home it's not that's not gonna work and the reason i tell you that's not gonna work is because when you're recording it then your notification is gonna come up and all this other stuff or someone's gonna text you all this other stuff you've got to put the phone away and truly study the way your face looks on different words, all these other things, the expressions you make, listen to your voice, to the inflection, all this other stuff, because it is little things like emphasizing a word powerfully, the way that you raise your eyebrow, stuff like that. That is what I mean, and this is not me bragging. This is what people have told me. It was little stuff like that that separated me out. And I think that holds true to this day. And you'll get more out of it if you watch yourself in the mirror unless instead of have someone record you and then go back and watch it on your phone when you get a TikTok notification or something else. And and that is 
This may sound old school, and that's fine. But I really do think that's the most beneficial tip that I can give you on trying to improve in terms of the reason from. Agreed completely. I, I think that I think I think this is good. And I hope that you as listeners out there don't I hope you comprehend that that Ryan and I both have an immense respect for the livestock judging programs and, and the experiences that that kids are getting by by committing themselves to do some of those things. Um I had already told you it changed my life. I spent a good portion of my life coaching judging teams and and the impact that it had on Ryan. And he talks about the most educational year of his life was was that year. And 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 it wasn't learning how to evaluate livestock, but learning how to deal with people and how to how to deal with life in general. So there's a lot of good. I, I can't promote this enough. The only thing I, I want to be realistic about, and I think we have this entire episode, that if you believe you want to be ultra competitive at the junior or senior college level, you're going to have to almost obsess about it and and put yourself in a position that that's, that is your primary focus period. Now I'm not saying that's the right thing for everybody to do, but if that is your goal and that is your life and that is what you want to do, you're going to have to make that an absolute priority and dive in because at this point it just isn't going to work any other way. Correct. Are you ready for question and answer? Yeah, and for the final time of 2023, uh, Basic Animal Health is the sponsor for question and answer, and Basic Animal Health knows how important it is to get Dale and Ryan to answer the difficult questions. We also know how important natural health is to your animals. They have three products, Gut Health and Trailer Ride and the one that we're going to, and Show Focus. And Show Focus will naturally help your animals focus on their handler in the show arena without losing their spark needed to set them apart while settling an anxious stomach. They also have supplements for your dogs. Check them out at basicanimalhealth.com and enter the code BTRJLA at checkout to receive a 20% discount and a portion of the proceeds will go to benefit BTRJLA. I cannot personally say a big enough thank you to the Leonard family, Basic Animal Health, and Leonard Truck and Trailer for their gracious and generous sponsorship of the BTRLA in 2022 and 2023. So thank you again. Thank you. And and people may not realize, but on the question and answer, Ryan, if I'm not comfortable with the, the question, I, I just don't answer. Imagine that. First question, and I, I think we've had this one before, but this was the first time I opened this email. I didn't go to Facebook this morning. I went to the email that we talked about maybe doing away with in the future. Um, just because you and I are not jumping out there and answering it enough. Gentlemen. Some judges have a hard ceiling for the weight of a steer. Do you have a maximum weight that you will use or is the best steer regardless of weight, the one that you're going to use? I think we've had it worded differently, but I think we've had the question. I think that's different for every single judge. Uh, Again, for me personally, I know where I like to be and in the parameters I like to be in, but that does not mean that if there is one that is, under those parameters or over those parameters, if it is by far the best one, that I'm not going to use that one. So it's not a hard ceiling for me. I think there, I think every judge is different. And so again, we talk about research and all this other stuff. You would have to do that if you know who your judge is, because it will be different 
for almost every single one. And not only if they have a hard and fast, this is too light and this is too heavy, what that is. And so a very good question. But uh, for me, no, there is not one because eventually I'm going to use the very best one unless it is just so far out. It's insane. Like I'm not going to use the 1700 pound one or 1600 pound one to win, but uh, more times than not and 99% of the times that I've judged, you can find one that you find acceptable that you're comfortable with while it may not specifically fit in the weight parameters that you are, you know, want to find one in, uh, but close enough. So again, that's up to each and every individual judge. Ryan, that was, that was an excellent answer. And I, I think very, very useful. I would like to follow up if you don't mind with another sure. question, another question off of this. So oh, with, with that said, and you have a parameter, even though you will expand or contract that, par- you're, you're not afraid to go outside of it and you have an idea of where you want to be. You and other judges, what sets those weight parameters? In other words, you say you're not going to use a 1,600 pound. <laughs> I mean, like 10 years. I mean, there are steers. And I've, this isn't just in steers. You can go every market species. Uh, the weight parameters that most people find acceptable five years ago has changed. 10 years ago, it, th- there was a point in the early 2000s where... If you were over 1,300, you were dead. Now we're using steers that win, you know, 1,500 plus. And so, but that's changed in the past two or three years. And so again. What 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 has pushed that trend to change for weight? I think, I think because muscle weighs a lot. And then, well, I mean, I mean, it just, it is. And there, the more, more times than not. I think muscle is the biggest emphasis in almost all species, even though I don't think that's exactly right. But I think that's the most, what most judges do. And the heavier muscled you get them, the more they're going to weigh. That's just all there is to it. Fair enough. I think in the, in the cattle ring specifically, and I always go back to this, and we argue about every time. The packers have opened up and we have newer packing plants that can handle oh, those bigger carcasses. Christ. The industry has pushed for heavier weights, period. They just have. And I'm not yeah, saying and that's why that's it. You're right. No, I right. believe in the steering because the industry is, they used to have a hard ceiling. It used to be 1200 pounds a long time ago. And then it was 13. Now it's 14. Now it's 15. I think there is a correlation between what the industry is accepting in terms of their hard ceiling without discounting those cattle at the packing plant with the show ring. I'm not saying that when the industry commercial world of the Packers change that the show rings in overnight, but they're, they, they I am going, going to disprove your theory right here, right now. One of the coolest things, or I think for people like you, you nerds like you is San Antonio and Houston have carcass contest for all species and the top two in each class and the breed champions and reserves. And of course the grand and reserve overall all go into this carcass contest. I am not going to say, I am not going to say which show, and I'm not going to say which species. But last year, in a species at San Antonio or Houston, every single animal was disqualified for something or another, except for four. 
four of the animals were not disqualified because their carcass didn't fit your lovely, lovely industry standards. I do not believe that to be accurate. It is accurate. I, I, and when we I, get I, off I this listen. podcast, I will remind <laughs> you of it and you will remember. I remember looking at, and maybe last year, but I remember looking at, and I only, I only pay attention to the goat carcass. I'm going to text you and you're going to remember. Okay, back to this. I remember looking at the goat carcass sheets, and I remember a lot being disqualified. It wasn't goats. <laughs> no, no, I, I thought you mean across species, or you're just saying in one species. I'm saying one. in one species. Got it. Yes, I'm on board with that. I thought you meant all species. I thought, no, Lord. one's one no, species. I'm not that. No, you you are correct as as far as I can remember. So the parameters that are set by what's disqualified in a show are set by those shows. It's not set by the industry. Should it reflect industry? It standards? does reflect it industry standards, no. though. Some some of them are way way behind. Oh some of them put God. other other things in there that the industry is not even looking at. So I I by would need to and look large at- those the parameters for disqualification you, of and <clears throat> acceptability of the car are set by the industry standard. Anyway, they have not, they have not changed those, oh those in years. Lord. And if, if you don't think, and, and, oh I'm, and again, Lord. we're going to open it up a little further. If you don't think that the heavier cattle going through the real world of the packing plant has had some influence on allowing judges to go heavier. The reason we stopped at 1200 pounds a long time ago is because if we we're over 1200 pounds, in, in a carcass weight at whatever that, that came out to, those carcasses would drag on the ground and be condemned at the packing plant. As the packing plant moved their rails up higher and can handle bigger cattle, I you can just watch the show ring using heavier cattle. So they're, they're, that one I'm not even going to argue with. However, look at Well, the then goat. you just literally shot your last argument in the foot. Because you're saying that the carcass contest has nothing to do with industry. No, I'm if not saying nothing. True, I'm saying then the all of the steers' carcass weight would disqualify them. The parameters for carcass shows are set by the shows, not the industry. Should it be oh similar? My yes. God. Okay, I didn't. Even, I want to get to the other point. So, in my mind, the industry delusional Dale. Here we the are. Packing plants allowing heavier weights have allowed judges to more comfortably use heavier cattle. Period. Not even going to argue that. In the goat arena, this is a, again, I never pretend to have any, any correlation between show goats. Is it too early to start drinking? 50 pounds is, is traditionally where they want a market goat in the commercial Mm -hmm. world. I mean, 50 pound goats win shows. Yes. And have goat weights continue to increase for the most part, the last five years, 10 years. I think they have market. What's acceptable is a top end market show ring weight. It, it continues to bump up all the time. Maybe it's plateaued here the last couple of years. So there under that situation, there is no, there is no correlation. And I can't imagine a 50 pound goat, Ryan, you you've seen some 50 pound goats in the jackpot shows that you've judged. Not many, but you've seen some, there can't be more than two or three bite fulls of meat on that animal. Mm-mm. So how, how, that makes no sense at all. Zero. Mm-hmm. I don't it's know where industry. I don't know where the lamb ideal commercial market weight is. I, I don't even want to guess. The pigs commercially continue to get heavier and heavier as well. So enough for that one. I think we've we've probably mm-hmm, argued that enough. Mm-hmm, the next mm-hmm. one's a long question, and since we're trying this day. out, I'm going to summarize. This Bartender. Question. Anyway, next. Moving on. Nick gives us a, a question, and this this uh, this was from a while back. You're not Doug, supposed to Doug use D. names. Yeah, no, it's okay sometimes. Oh well, maybe God. not in this one. Okay, Reese, Reese, they did not say not to. They did not say not to. 
with your recent podcast, this tells you how long ago this was, about show managers and having rules in the book but are not enforced, I have a question. Our senior fair board at our county fairs banned the use of ractopamine, common name Paline, but has openly stated they would not test or enforce the rule. The kids are to sign an <laughs> affidavit. If they send the pigs to, to the packing plant, they, they cannot have been fed ractopamine. But I feel they've opened themselves up to even more issues by having a rule in the book and not enforcing it. Should a pig win that has been fed ractopamine, does that open themselves up to liability? I don't know about liability, Ryan, but we can certainly address that if we put a rule in, what should we probably do or should we not have it in? Well, the fact that they say that they put this rule in, but they're not going to drug test or enforce it is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, again, so then why do you... There's one thing to have a rule that you're not going to enforce. It is a whole nother issue to have a rule and say, oh, by the way, we have this rule. It's going to be in there, but we're not going to enforce it. So do what you want to anyway. I get it. I what think you're saying. No, you're right. I think what they're doing, I think whoever is, is the show manager or the superintendent for that hog barn, when they send those pigs to the packing plant, apparently it's a terminal show, it appears. They, that person has to sign off and maybe every exhibitor has to sign off. They have to give the packing plant the illusion that they have not been fed any paling. Now, uh-huh. and you think the packing plant is going to test those animals to make sure? Not all of them, but randomly will test. And if they come up with something, then it becomes a problem. And, and the reason that they are testing is they're trying, and, and some packing plants will take them. They're, they're perfectly fine. But if it's a packing plant that is exporting to certain European countries or China or wherever it may be going to, there are restrictions that they cannot have been fed ractopamine nor any. I realize that. And I'm telling you at this fair, I'm going to say that a lot of the animals that make it to the sale have been fed the palings. (laughs) And, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not fair for those that are following the rule and not. Oh no, it's not. It's, I mean, not only is it not fair for the people to follow, but that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We're going to have this rule, but guess what? We're not going to test, and we're not, so whatever, but we want y'all to know this rule's here, but we're not going to test to make sure if y'all are cheating. I mean, that is like opening the floodgates. And, and we see it, in a, and we do see it at other shows. It happens, and, and it's, history tells us that opens the floodgates, period. Oh, no, I mean, they're, they're, and again, I'm not going to sort single anybody. There are major shows that do not, test and even if they do test do not we we've talked about this they they don't enforce the rules of those tests and so again even the rules they wrote themselves right they wrote themselves but and so that is bad enough it is a whole nother thing to just say this rules here but guess what we're not gonna check if y'all cheating or not i mean absolute (laughs) lunacy Oh, uh, the next question is going to be easy for you. And oh, I was, good. you notice that I was running a little short on time this morning, begging for uh, a couple extra minutes. So I, I just grabbed uh, one here. Right, right, right. This, this was actually a recent one. Um, uh-huh. the first one on the list. Oh, I have good. listened to every episode. Do you think there's anybody that truly has listened to every episode? I don't know, but God bless them if they have. <laughs> and I don't have the name of this person or I'd give them some credit here. A shout out. I've listened to every episode and love your podcast. This year, I'll be going to the National Western. This is my first national stock show. And I was wondering if you guys will be there. I would like to meet you and possibly get a selfie or an autograph. I will not. I knew you were going to break your heart. Well, can't help it. <laughs> you could make a guest appearance. 
Nope. I'm busy. I have Cattlemen's Congress in Fort Worth. So, young lady, I don't remember. Her, I didn't. I didn't write down the name. I, I will be there, I believe, from the uh, the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. I don't know what shows. He'll you're be very busy with his goats. Very busy. And watching the Angus show, and maybe having an Angus heifer from Argentina on display. We we may be doing some of that as well. So it's it, it will be busy. But if I'm around, please, I'm happy to visit with you. Whatever. I, I don't know for sure when you're going to be there. But Ryan will definitely be. Um, he will not be at Arizona. He will not be at Denver. He will be at Cattlemen's Congress, correct? Mm-hmm. And then I, I would bet nearly every Texas major. Oh, yeah. Okay. So with that said, this was longer than I anticipated, but good. Hopefully it's beneficial for a lot of those out there thinking about pursuing livestock judging, particularly into the collegiate level, and uh, can take some of that, that guidance to heart. Until next week, be safe. Y'all come back now, you hear? 